Howdy folks, this is HedgePod, a podcast about how our mass media reinforces the cultural hegemony of the ruling class. I'm Jack, my pronouns are they and them, but I'm okay with he and him. I'm Nova, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Athena, my pronouns are she, they. And what we do here is explain and explore the many ways that popular media is used to consciously and unconsciously enforce the ideology of the ruling class. So uh, cultural hegemony is a component of Marxist philosophy. We're leftists here, which means that we have really radical takes, like that Fox News pundits should not be giving uh, medical advice. And achieving herd immunity doesn't make you a sheep. <laughs> right. I'm, and I don't even want to stop at the Fox News pundits. Like, you should not be getting your medical advice from anyone except for medical experts. I know it's wild. I know it's radical. Uh, it, it, it's it's really wild stuff to comprehend. But that's the type of views that we're going to be framing our show from here. So when we when we when we present a take, just remember, keep in mind that it's from a really radical viewpoint like that. Um, what we've been doing is uh, watching sitcoms, and uh, we're going to continue that trend today with an episode of Cheers, a fan favorite. Big time, big time American hegemony uh, sitcom. It's been in the lexicon for a long time. We're going to be looking at season four, episode eighteen, uh, episode from nineteen eighty-two. Now, I do like Cheers. I'm a fan of Cheers, but this episode in particular, we just picked it. We just picked it out. Have not watched it recently. Have no idea what we're going to be in for today. Uh, and this one, we're going to be watching on Hulu. So maybe we'll get some of those cool ads we like to make fun of. <laughs> and with that said. And I'll be starting the episode right now. Okay, so we've got the uh, open with the iconic cheer sign, and we've got a little kid coming through the door uh, to the bar. She's talk. He's talking to Carla. She's a, a waiter or waitress at the at the uh, at Cheers. So uh, apparently, this kid is uh, wanting to take want to date. Uh, Carla's daughter. So she kind of like sits him down and says, let's get to know you. Is that Rhea Perlman? Yeah, Rhea Perlman, yeah. Yeah, she's oh. uh, uh, been with Danny DeVito, or was for a long time. Like, they were yeah. married for a long, long time. Oh, yeah, this is like yeah. one of her big, big-time roles. So they're, go- they're going to see 101 Dalmatians. So she's like shaking him down. So this aired in 1982... And this reminds me, my uh, parents talked about how when I was a baby, they took me in to see 101 Dalmatians. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was born in 1982. Oh, wow. My parents uh, took me to the live action one when I was a kid. Nice. So why does she, she, she pulls out a Polaroid, an old school Polaroid, <laughs> and starts taking a couple pictures of him. Uh I guess in case I, he goes missing with her daughter. Yeah, in case her daughter, anything happens to her daughter. Yeah, she she's she's vetting she's vetting him. He seems like a nice kid. She gave him some money to, for buy popcorn at least. Yeah. He like took off though running. Oh no. He. <laughs> she captures the glass and puts it in a bag. And says he gives it to Sam. He played by dead dancing behind the bar. Uh, keep it in a safe place till the boys from the lab get here. God. Damn, that's a young Ted Danson. Yeah, he is. He was a he was a heartthrob at this time, man. Like everybody was into him. Man. I kind of get it. This is the uh, classic intro. Uh, I mean, everybody loves this thing. The the uh, the uh, paintings and the just the song, the music, and everything. 
I, I will say, I think this is one of, like, my favorite hegemonic things, man. Like, it, it sort of normalizes bar culture in a way that's, like, sort of wholesome, well, you know? Yeah, I, I will say that there is a bit to, to this song, though, because it is kind of like a, oh, back in the old days when everything was better sort of thing, too, though. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But it's also, I mean, like... overall, though, it's... I mean, it, I, I get where you're coming from, but it does say, like, you just, you want to go, you want to go where everybody knows your name. It's not, like, back in the day. Like, it doesn't really Yeah, I just that. think it's with the pictures, though, it kind of mm. adds that. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It does. Yeah, there, of course there's that. I mean, it's sort of boomer stuff, you know. I just like it. It's one of those things, like, I, I, no, I have I mean, to... I, I think it's a good intro. I have to dig deep. Oh, here comes Fraser. Hey, Fraser, our, our friend. Look how young he is. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a joke that they say in Frasier is like, oh, Niles, he looks like you when you first got here. Oh, why yeah. does he have an owl? <laughs> He's a stuffed owl. <laughs> He's got a lot of sentimental value to Frasier for some reason. Excellent example of taxidermy. Oh, he's giving it to Sam as a gift. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> he says, he says well, well, well. He's like, I don't think so. He said, okay, then toss it. He just throws it on the ground. So so now uh, Frazier's talking to Diane and saying that we found some slides of our trip to Europe and wanted to share it, you know. He said he's got a uh, projector in the screen in the back room. (laughs) So... (laughs) The gag here is that she's like, she said, you said you told me that projector was broken whenever I wanted to show you my uh, uh, slides of Colombian art. And he's like, well, it was. So there's some good stuff there. You know, can't it's not cool to like art. You know, that's nerd stuff, right? It, it, anyone who 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 wants to uh, see the slides of mine and Diane's trip to Europe, raise your hand, and like no one in the bar does. I mean, no one really wants to see your trip unless no. they actually know no. you. It, it's like uh, there's a line from uh, Always Sunny, I think, that says, "Looking at peepers, looking, uh, <laughs> hearing a, hearing someone's dreams is like looking at their photo album. If I'm not in them and nobody's having sex, I don't care." <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I talked over the norm gag. Apparently, it was a humdinger. I've I've heard that line before. It's a dog eat dog world, and I'm wearing milkbound underwear. I remember that from when I was a kid. <laughs> I I've never heard that one before, except for if I've seen it in the show. <laughs> I don't. I guess I guess it's a. Uh, that's a few miles of rough road right there. If you're you're wearing milkbound wow. underwear. Did you see the foam level change? Yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, I did. there from one shot to the next? Because I noticed it at first because I was like, man, that is way too much foam for a professional bartender to have poured in the beer. And then they cut back to it, and it's all gone. It's and gone, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I imagine it must be tough to, like, get the the head proper yeah. on a... You know, pro- they probably took 12 hours shooting this little, you know, 30-second scene. Uh... So, uh, this is Cliff. Oh, wow. Cliff Clavin, he says, uh, uh, 42% of all accidents, uh, happen in the home, and, and, uh, Carla walks by and says, so are you. 
But he's like a one of these guys that like uh, he he like makes up or he doesn't he doesn't make it up necessarily, but he has like all these statistics and like trivia bits on the spots. But yeah, he makes uh, some people. Yeah, always, I, I recognize the character. That not, not you know who that is, but yeah, the letter carrier guy. That is the that's the liar guy. That is the archetypal kind of liar guy. I can already peg him there. The liar guy. Yeah, that's All actually right. what he ran on when um I I forget his name Pixar guy ran for uh, oh John uh, Ratzenberger the, John Ratzenberger yeah the the spot because uh, he actually tried to uh the spot for uh uh Norm but he didn't get it so oh he I invented gotcha. this character on the spot nice well that's pretty cool I mean it, he's like a staple character too like he he and 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 Norm have great chemistry together too Norm played by George Went he's a a heavy set dude with uh, curly hair, but uh, he's a he's a bar regular. He's always he always complains about his wife. Of course, that's a, you know what what show what sitcom yeah, that's would what be they, complete. He was doing earlier. Yeah. Uh, Got to keep an extra space on the between you on the sofa so it's not gay. <laughs> oh yeah yeah. So they're all they're all crowded into this back room here. Uh, Cliff and Norm are sitting on the sofa and they're all the way apart on it. It's hard to tell if it's intentional or not, but. It seems very much of, uh, uh, you know, it, there's there's enough room for three people there, but it might be a projector though. It could be. It could be. Oh, you know, it probably is a projector. <laughs> We're trying to inject it's more Jimmy into it ourselves. I <laughs> 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 do you believe this nonsense. This is Phil. <laughs> uh, but they're all bored uh, watching uh, Fraser's Columbia trips uh, pictures. So he's he's flipping through the slides and uh, he find they finally came up with one picture uh, where you could actually tell what it is. So it's, everyone seems to be like bored to tears. You know, I I think there's probably some overarching stuff in this. There's some too. subtext going on here. Yeah, there's yeah. something that we should have known, like in the plot, like. Diane yeah. and Fraser were engaged. Oh, okay. And uh, that is something we could have discussed since you know he they were dating and he was her psychiatrist. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I, I didn't know this. Like, I, I've seen the season one of Cheers recently, and I've seen the whole series at some point. It's been a long, long time. Uh, and season one of Cheers, uh, um, Sam and Diane are kind of like back and forth there's a bunch of will they won't they stuff so but uh so i guess he's looking at uh a picture of whenever he proposed the night he proposed to her to diane diane is a uh, uh, shelly long by the way this is a huge cast of characters in this show i mean every single one of these characters like went on to do you know other things that you know this kind of made their the show sort of made their name. Woody so, Harrelson actually is in the back right now too. As uh, what, what's a, happening right now though is like he's like airing the dirty laundry that he that Dion, yeah. De, Deanna, whatever her name was, is like ripping his heart out like while he's very, going very over these things for him to do. Yeah, yeah. It, after he proposed, everyone watched this. Yeah, right. <laughs> pretty pretty crappy thing, especially for a psychiatrist to do. <laughs> Like you're gonna go, you're gonna put everybody on the spot. Hey, we're gonna go to the bar. I'm gonna show everyone these pictures of me proposing to you, and then you uh, make a fool out of me. 
Like, uh, yeah, it's pretty scummy. Pretty scummy. I mean, I feel like the, the audience and the other people in the crowd probably recognize that, too. Like, Yeah. I mean, she's... She's being way gentler with him than he has any right to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, I mean, she's... Well, because of the guilt, because she ripped his yeah. heart out. Hmm. Well, Sam so is talking she, to him about it, at least, so... He's, he's, he's trying to talk her down. And I, I, I do like this, the Sam character as a bartender, too. Like, he's, he always seemed, like, pretty chill. Like, uh, it, it's established in the first season that he used to have a drinking problem and then doesn't drink. So I always thought that was an interesting thing to do with a character. Like, you know, make a bartender who doesn't drink and, like, still he sort of offers his, like, light version of therapy. Yeah. Poor man's therapy, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So who's this guy? Somebody comes in, he's talking to Norm. I think his accountant. Okay. Well, Norm's an accountant, too. But maybe they're... I wonder if they're work co-workers. I guess that the... I guess they are, they're talking about Norm possibly getting a promotion or something, it seems like. Or... He said uh, something about getting a position. Wow. Woody Harrelson, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Look at the head on those beers, man. I mean, it's like halfway up the glass. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even drink that much beer, and I know that's ridiculous. <laughs> just a mouthful of... Like, how, you, you don't, how can you even take a sip of that? You're just getting a mouthful of foam. <laughs> I wish y'all could see that. This is the worst hegemony of the whole series so far. Is this... The, the amount of head on this beer is absolutely unacceptable. This is the ruling class driven by... <laughs> John and Teresa Hines Carey trying to force on us the idea that bad beer is acceptable for us hog. <laughs> like honestly, if I put, if I delivered that beer to someone, I'd be ashamed of myself. <laughs> uh, but now the scenes change a couple times; it starts to look normal. So, uh, I, I I talked over everything that they were talking about, so I totally missed the. Uh, yeah. There wasn't a whole lot there. I was trying to pay attention. Uh, I think Norm's expecting to get a promotion, and then the the guy in the three piece suit is trying to uh, uh, trying to kind of ride his coattails up. Gotcha, gotcha. He wants uh, Norm to look out for him. Um, going off of my understanding of like tropes and story conventions, I would not be surprised if. Uh, the fellow in the three-piece suit, Weasley-looking fellow, winds up getting the promotion, and then Norm's like, you know, hey, can I be your assistant? He's like, no. Yeah, right. So he's yeah, actually he's, bought... Why do I have a feeling you just described the exact thing that's about to happen? <laughs> it's all somewhat formulaic, I guess, but... What what what, did he, what was he asking there? Is it something about you wouldn't let it go any further than that? I don't know. Doesn't want him to talk to someone about something. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong about what the what it winds up being, but we're about to find out. <laughs> but the uh, he also they also got cigars to celebrate. That's an interesting thing. Oh, the, okay. Oh, he's talking about ratting on him for something. Yeah. Okay, I picked it up there. So what's going on is there's this you know important position that he and Norm. Norm and uh, this other guy are going up for, and this other guy 
uh, is apparently having an affair with the boss's wife. Ooh, I got you. And it was the three-piece suit guy who gave him that information. Hmm. Hmm. And okay. So he's is he using this information to leverage for promotion? Is that what it I is? think that's what he's talking about? Like, because if he like, it's he can tell the boss, "Hey, this other guy's banging your wife." It's uh, yeah. you don't want him to do it. Yeah. And so Diane's telling him, "You don't know if this rumor's true, or not." But he's saying that <laughs> he's trying to claim that you know that this Mrs. Mm. Reinhardt later. Lady like hit on him at the party or something like that. I don't know. It, he's he's reaching yeah. for it, you know. Yeah. What's well, that? You know, the men can oftentimes misread uh, and see signals that aren't there. So. Hmm. I just can't. Oh wow! There's some fascism stuff. Oh my God! Women will be learning how to shop, but wow! Heaven forbid. Oh my God, he he quote he he he, cool. he actually yeah it does it says literally everything you said Cliff is something that we're that we're striving for right now. Wow, I don't know what borscht is, but whatever. Oh, uh, it's like a it's like a Jewish soup, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Soup, soup's good. Yeah, it's like it's like really good actually. Uh, so. I just still can't get over the fact that these people are all, like, sitting around smoking cigars and stuff in this bar. And it's also, like, totally clear air, and it's a bar is enormous. Yeah, that's, never... the, that's the least believable part, <laughs> is that it's not got a haze everywhere. Yeah, I've been in bars like, been... before that I... have, you know, people smoking in them, and it is not this clear. So, uh, Sam and Fraser are getting together here. To go out and, uh, I guess they're gonna paint the town red. They're gonna have a, a guys' night yeah. to forget about the, the the dames that break the hearts. He just slapped some cologne on Fraser and on himself that he just had underneath the bar. Who does that? <laughs> Is that a thing? Well, I don't know, but he's a womanizer, so I guess that's what womanizers do. In 1982, they kept their cologne tucked right underneath. They kept it hand by, like, uh, well, that's kind of funny. He said, "A woman you dream about." Remember the episode we did of Fraser where he was dreaming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Fraser was thinking. <laughs> uh, his boss, Mister Reinhardt, comes in. Uh, uh, Norm's boss. Uh, he does a uh, breath test, quick breath test. Uh, what do you smell? What do you smell? Milwaukee. So it's like he's walking into a bar. What does he do with the breath test for? He knows he's drinking there, right? What's the right? Like, what else are you gonna do at a bar? <laughs> Maybe the cigar. Uh, also, can we mention uh, that there's a um, an Indian caricature yeah. in the background? Yeah, like a a, a wooden cigar shop. The, the yeah. cigar yeah. shop uh, wooden chief statue i would like to mention it's, it's, the, it's just there the boss is like we know you're you spend a lot of time here this is where we send your checks <laughs> like <laughs> kind of a novel thing i'm gonna send my i'm sending my checks to the bar how would right. i i get that you know like drinking's okay to a point but it isn't you know we never address that norm might have a little bit of a problem yeah 
He's just yeah. the butt of the joke. Well, he's not, he's not really the butt of the joke, but it is kind of a weird normalization of, which is kind of normalization, <laughs> that uh, it's just totally a fine, normal thing well, to, like, avoid your wife and go to the bar every single day and stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think there's necessarily... The boss is really setting it up here. Oh, what's he setting up? He talked about how it was completely even between... Norm and the other guy Morrison, and how there was, you know, in and out of the office, which uh, I, they shouldn't care what he does out of the office. They're impeccable and equal. Oh, uh, so he's just like serving it up for him to use this information to, to get yep. the. Uh... The boss is probably setting him up, right? I feel like the boss is setting him up. Hmm. Also, something that I noticed is that the boss is wearing the exact same outfit that the Weasley-looking guy who gave Norm the information mm. was wearing... Same configuration and color and everything? Yep. Hmm. Which, uh... I'm assuming that's not accidental. I mean, what are they What are they trying to say with that? Like, is it a different class of people? Like, is it status thing? I don't even know. Maybe it's, like, supposed to represent someone outside the bar? Mm. Or that, um, he's working for him. Oh, yeah. And it could be. I oh. mean, there is something about, like, certain groups of guys that, like, seem to try and show respect by imitating the suits and stuff. Because, like, you I see it with Donald Trump all the damn time. Yeah, yeah. You're not fooling anyone, Governor Stitt, with your stupid blue suit and red tie. <laughs> yeah, oh. right. <laughs> He's got a great... This guy's got a gray suit and red tie. <laughs> but, you know... The vest, the vest is wild, like that full panel vest. So, so now the boss is, she didn't fit in with other company wives. What in the hell does that even mean? What the, what the fuck? What does that what even is, mean? What the fuck? The the lunch the this other is wives. This is the thing. Yeah. A spouse has to be able to mix easily with other people in the company. What? He says, if, I'm not, if my wife's not good enough for this company, yes. neither am I. Well, good for you, Norm, for standing up. That's bullcrap. Morrison's wife is somehow more acceptable than mine. Well, I, I, <laughs> he said, oh. I, I, don't, I don't get that. What did he uh, say? The boss said, the boss said, actually, Morrison's never had a wife. And Norm said, I wouldn't be too sure about that because Morrison's had the boss's wife. Uh-oh, had a wife. I got you. I got you. That's kind of funny. Um, well, that puts Norm in a little bit of a dilemma. Now, I do think that, I do think that from a, a hegemonic perspective, like the, the showrunners are trying to illustrate that that sort of thing is bullcrap. Like this whole, yeah. you know... Uh, but company wives thing or whatever, but it also is sort of yeah. normalizing that that's a thing that yeah. could happen to you at work, you know, like, it's kind of weird. Yeah, they're not really or beating like, the drum enough that it's bad. Like, what you need to understand is that the managers have their own class and you're not in it. Yeah, right. So you gotta accept that. Yeah, Maybe see, like, his wife does uh, too much shot putting. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I feel like in this day and age, that sort of thing would kind of be like, somebody else might step in from in the bar and be like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Don't fit in. Well, like, I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't. Bystander syndrome is a real thing, but I feel like if I overheard someone saying that at the bar, I would not 
be yeah. able to like, I don't know, maybe not, I don't know. So he was talking to his wife, he's like, I didn't get the promotion. And then he was... And he's been on the phone with her old black rotary phone with the, the, the spindle clicker phone number thing. Have you ever seen one of those, Athena? <laughs> We were talking about well, being older. I, I had a great grandmother I hung out with. <laughs> so yes, you have seen one at your great grandma's house. Yes, I've seen rotary phones in the wild. <laughs> so, so he he did the he did the right thing. He had the integrity move. He said he didn't get the promotion. Now he's he says I'm unemployed. Woody Harrelson. <laughs> <laughs> he says, oh, great, I'm unemployed. Woody Harrelson says, no, don't worry, something else will come along. He says, no, I mean, great, I'm unemployed. Give me a beer. I mean, yeah. that's fair. That's not... Yeah. All right. Eh. So what do we think? All right, we got we got end credits rolling here. What do, how do we feel about this one? There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, Move pretty quick. It, it, it's one of those ones where it's like... It... Overall, it's not. It, it definitely isn't the it's worst. Terrible. Yeah, it's mm. not terrible. But there's still problems. Oh yeah, I mean the biggest thing. I, I think the probably the most, one of the most brazen things was just what what Cliff was saying at the bar. Yeah. They're just talking about like, wow. I mean, just for we just let twenty minutes pass by of fairly routine, normal kind of like okay material. And then in a matter of like 10 seconds, Cliff Clavin's and character... And remember, looking directly at the camera, <laughs> yeah. communism is bad. I'm honestly right. surprised he didn't say something about someone coming in and, you know, taking wives or something like that. He got to, pretty close. To, to, to bring it all back to circle here, I, I, we were talking over it when it happened, but it was basically like, he said something like, before you know it, if, you, if we keep letting un-American behavior like this go on unchecked, before you know it, you know, women are going to be learning to shop put. Uh, we're all going to be walking around with copies of Das Capital. Like, illustrating that he knows something about the left, but just enough to be dangerous and, like, you know, use it for fascist stuff or whatever. It's kind of funny. But uh, I, I believe this is actually... Reactionary, the, certainly. Reactionary, yeah. This is probably the first... Uh, this is definitely the first episode of anything that we've watched that has mentioned... Dos Capital <laughs> in, yeah. any, yeah. in any facet of her capacity. That like. is interesting. That's, huh. <laughs> but, that was uh, peak, you know, early, uh, mid and early 1980s, you know, the, the like peak late Cold War period there when everybody thought it was all going to, like, this is, you know, around the same time frame as Red Dawn. Yeah. Uh, and shortly before the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, because they tried to keep up with us. Yeah, and that, and just for anyone who's listening at this point that still hasn't really, you know, caught on at this point, Das Capital is a it's basically like an economic uh, sort of guidebook, so to speak, of, of Marx's economic policies. So, uh, it's honestly, un un unless you are trained uh, for shot putt and you have those kind of muscles, you're really not going to be able to carry around a copy of Dust <laughs> <laughs> Right. 
It is big. It's massive. I mean, it's and honestly, I'm actually in the middle of reading it. I'm reading. I'm in the middle of reading Wealth of Nations, Adam Smith. Uh, Lord help me, and and also Das Kapital. Uh, I, it was one of those things where, you know, you always hear these things about economics, and uh, people use arguments from both books, especially from Wealth of Nations, is the big one that gets used in Econ 101 and all of that stuff. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna read this stuff. Like I can't, I can't, you know, pr- properly present my case or my rebuttal to, you know, bad faith arguments about the, you know, uh, these things that people present to be eternal truths of the economy, which are really just like something that somebody kind of made up at some point or theorized on, you know, I I would rather... From what I've heard, Adam Smith doesn't even, like, disagree with... It's, you know, he he predated Marxism and Mm -hmm. kind of defined Mm -hmm. and explained capitalism, but he was critical of a lot of it, and he was critical of, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think landlords was something he was critical of. Yeah, I mean, there was a few. There's a few points in the first quarter of the book, really, even that that just even discuss labor theory or or, uh, labor value. um, I just kind of want to add in too, and because. You know, so not everyone likes to read, but if if you're kind of interested in what everyone's talking about, um, you might check out Richard Wolf. Mm. Um, he has some good stuff yeah. that really breaks it down for people like me who hear some of the stuff, and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, that I love sounds good. I want to know. I mm-hmm. and yeah, his videos do a really good job yeah. of. Uh, Richard Wolf's contributions for the Gravel Institute have been really good too. It's been a really good like bite-sized sort of uh, dose, if you will, of of easily accessible left-leaning uh, educational content. Um, and I think um, you, Jack, know the, the name of the channel, but I think uh, is it Philosophy Tube has a um, a thing over like what Marxism actually is. Is that the uh, uh, Abigail Thorne's channel? I believe, I believe so, so, yes. At Philosophy Tube, Abigail Thorne's channel, that one's really good. And then Thought Slime also does a lot of yeah. breakdowns about you know the just the basis of this stuff. So really good entry level stuff to listen to. I mean, I, I you know, these this is just the stuff that I that I kind of listen to, to to sort of help. I, I guess not really. I don't do it with the full, with the intention of shaping my worldview, but I go into it with like, all right, I have an idea of what my ideology is, but these people can explain the way that I feel. And what, the way that I understand it in, in concrete terms, and they give you some talking points that you can kind of hang on to whenever it comes to dealing with people. My, I don't want to go off on a whole long tangent about this, but since it was brought up, and, you know, the Cliff Clavin's character, if you ask my mom today, uh, who, who does Cliff Clavin remind you of? She would say, this, per- this person is my dad. Like, she would say, this, this guy is my dad. And it's it's very true. I didn't understand it when I was watching Cheers growing up, and I'm not saying that my dad is a fascist necessarily, although he was a cop for 30 years. So, uh, I hope you get to listen to this episode at some point, Dad. <laughs> but but I do I do identify with the idea that Cliff Clavin's character is like my dad. And my point is, I've kind of been brought up with some of this rhetoric, and at several different stages of my life, leading up to now. I always had like that little kernel of a feeling inside of me like something about this is not right. Like it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem 
reasonable. Why don't I understand why this makes sense to adults being a kid? And one of the things that, you know, channels like Thought Slime and Philosophy Tube and all that stuff kind of helps me come to terms with is, you know, grappling with this notion that like, okay, you were right. It is, it is unfair. It is not right. There is something wrong with it. And here is why. And here are some concrete arguments and explanations as to why that feeling, you know, happened inside of you. So, you know, I don't know. I recommend those channels for sure. And it, oh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, uh, the thing to me is, like, I grew up, my dad watched a lot of Fox News, so there, you know, had some fun time trying to figure out myself outside of mm -hmm. being around that. But, you know, one of the things, it's like the big scary word of Marxism. Mm, yeah. So it's like, what is that? And it's yeah. like, it's not anything of what the... The right uses it as like a, a a boogeyman word. It's like ooh, and it's it's really the thing that gets me. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's a big deal for people like Tucker Carlson and stuff yeah, because it would mean right. that he would lose money. So, you know, basically, if you care more about the working class actually having the means to be respected, then you might like Marxism. I had an interesting thought earlier today when I was picking my kids up from school. What if, let's just suppose a thought experiment here for a second. What if I wore a t-shirt on Casual Friday to my office that had a pic, just a picture of Karl Marx's face on it? Like, how do you think the reaction would be from people that I work with? Of course, you know, I live in West Virginia. I, live, I work with a lot of conservative people. Do you think that it would be more like a, who is that? Do you think anybody would recognize Karl Marx's face? And if somebody did ask, who is that? And I said, it's Karl Marx. What do you, how do you think that they would respond? Would, would I get, would I get written up? Would I get a letter, you know, from our memo? Would there be a memo from HR distributed pretty soon? Like, I wonder about Probably. that. I wonder you pro about that. Like, depending upon the level that they are from what I've, because you know me, I like to keep an eye on, I, I grew up around the right wing, so I like to keep an eye on what's happening over there, and also just because it's, it's like kind of watching a train wreck. Um, it's a morbid fascination thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, depending upon the level, you, you probably would. Um, some, some people, I, I actually would think a lot of them, because, you know, we're not taught this stuff in school, I don't know why, um, you know, you probably wouldn't even know who that is you say right. Karl Marx and people would still be like oh who's that you know but there would be if it, it would just take the one person to throw just the yeah. biggest hissy fit on the in the it's like oh he's a he wants to he's like, he's, 100 billion people died in the yes exactly century. yeah and it's like uh no <laughs> but like anybody could wear a picture with Donald Trump's face on it even though he's the reason like over 500,000 people died because of coronavirus basically you know or well, Mike Pence's face on thing. it. Yeah, and it, and no way would that not. the most peaceful president we've ever had. I mean, well, they, what they'd probably do is uh, make a dress code policy that prohibits political shirts. Yeah. And then, if they really want to be assholes, only enforce it for the political shirts they don't like. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Well, you know, again, I I can't I I, I have no idea. Like I I, I want to say that my workplace's you know policy making decisions would be 
you know, a, a little bit more reasonable and straightforward than that, fair or whatever, but maybe not, you know, like, I, I know I work with some people that might look at, look at the shirt, be like, who's that, me tell them anything other than Santa Claus, and then be like, that is, uh, uh, that's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just be like Santa Claus. Just wear a red shirt with Karl Marx's face on it. Just wear it around yeah, Christmas you can time. Just say, yeah, Santa Claus. They, they, they get it. <laughs> he's sure like he's like Santa right Claus. Now. You know, he he's, he gives presents to the working people. <laughs> oh, you know, for anarchists, we tend to call the Kropotkin bread Santa. Kind of joking. So. Oh man! All right. Well, I, but, I didn't. I didn't usually. Th- I didn't think that we would get uh, a full. You know, leftist theory discussion out of this episode is kind of a nice surprise. It just takes the one little minute ramble. That's all it takes. What's interesting is that uh, while they had the guy complaining about Marxism, maybe they had to throw that in because, you know, when you look at what happened with Norm, that's a pretty uh, Mm. pro-worker, almost Marxist leftist message there that, you know, you... You don't get the job you deserve because your bosses are evaluating not just your work performance, mm. but whether you fit into their class. Like George Carlin said, it's a big club and you ain't in it. Yeah. And they interviewed his wife for the club and decided, nope, you yeah. can't let him in the club. Man, you, you might be on to something there. Like your they wife said, isn't this isn't subservient enough this, for us. This message is too pro worker and 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 the, the the episode even ended with him standing up for his convictions doing the move of integrity and getting yep. the shaft for it if that and, and if that doesn't declare to you you know right away like this is a picture this is a real thing that happens to people sometimes you, know? you got to take the job and shove it yeah, so maybe they maybe they did have to put that in there. Maybe maybe someone yeah. producer was like, "We can't do this. We can't go go around sending this message like that that the you know the workplace is out to you know shaft you." Remember, the bosses are bad, managers are elitists, but Marxism's worse. But Marxism's Wink. worse. Yeah, yeah. Before that we could be- explain the uh, staring at the camera too. <laughs> He did, yeah. he did. He like that looked, was just almost, so weird. He's like almost looking right at the camera to say, to say it too. That's, yeah. that's, that's that was weird. That was weird. I mean, there's definitely we've seen a lot of strange, like over over the top, ham fisted hegemony stuff. But but that that little vertical slice was possibly one of the worst ones that we've had on here in terms of just straight up looking into the camera and telling you what to believe. You know, like <laughs> kind of wild. But I, I think that's a good place for us to wrap it up for today. I mean, we still we had a twenty minute episode and we're going on forty now, just talking about that Das Capital and whatnot. Yeah. But it's good stuff. I feel like you, I go even you longer. You don't bring in Marxism if you don't want if you want leftists <laughs> to shut up. Yeah, <laughs> that is the one thing to set us off. It's like, don't you bring him into this? <laughs> uh, well, I believe that'll do it for us. And looking forward to doing the next one. We just opened a Discord server, so we're trying to get. Uh, the link to that in our Twitter. Um, yep, it's in the Twitter now. Bio and all of that stuff. Uh, hedgepod at gmail.com, at hedgepod, H E G E P O D. Um, hit us up with, you know, any kind of uh, examples or, or shows that you want us to do or, or anything. We're also looking for guest contributors or, or, or full time contributors. We're, we're looking for, our goal is we want to create a diverse cast of 
contributors from all walks of life, whether you know you're on for one episode or whether you want to be a regular on the episodes, uh, we're open to discussing and and accommodating you know anyone who wants to be a part of this. I think it's an important thing to to create kind of a social and cultural sort of you know movement, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, out of this. But in order to do that, we need more than just a, you know white people and you know cis people and what have you to to comment on these cultural ideas so by all means please reach out um get in touch with us give us some ideas give us some feedback and really appreciate having you all as listeners and we will catch you the next time